Welcome to Cinema Bushido. I am your host, uh, Matthew Whitaker, and with me as always is my bro from another Joe, Mr. Lee Van Cleef. Lee, you're running a little late tonight. How are you doing? Hey, buddy. Every day is a holiday. How are you doing today? <laughs> Things are going well. Uh, we have a very special guest this evening. Uh, we have Michael Worth. Um, he runs a cool company called Grizzly Peak Films, and he happens to be, I would say by far, the uh, biggest expert we've ever had on about Bruce Lee and the magic that is Hong Kong cinema. How you doing tonight, Michael? I'm good. Wow, that was that was a nice intro. And, and but I began to think once I realized I'm on the show with Lee Van Cleef. I'm trying to figure out who's the good, the bad, and the ugly. I know. One. I always say it. I'm the good. He's the bad. And then that oh. always makes our guest. Oh, good. I'll take it. I'll make, take it. Yeah, the ugly. Unfortunately, it never works because I don't know. I guess I'm probably uglier than any of you. But <laughs> that's a vicious lie. He's a beautiful man. Don't let him. Don't uh, let I him believe it. Him. I can tell already. All right, whatever. Um, uh, the so, rumor is in the women's bathroom. He's also a generous lover, too. We hear that on occasion. Hey, listen, nice. I took, a, I took a Sharpie into each of those women's restrooms, and I, you know, you got to you gotta promote yourself. Good point. <laughs> All right, well, really quickly, before we get started um, on talking about Cinema Bushido, uh, what are you drinking, Lee? Oh, my God. I, I sent you something on Marco Polo. Uh, the, the old man had a day off and he brought me something and, uh, God bless him. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't know liquor at all. So he brought me something. I've never heard of it called Ezra Brooks mm. and it's like a charcoal blended whiskey, not a blended scotch, but a blended whiskey. And, uh, it's like drinking paint thinner, but that's what I'm drinking. Isn't it like blending Kool-Aid? It's like, no, I did a little bit of the purple and a little bit of the blue and Got this nice blended Kool-Aid for you, buddy. The price of rye is rising with inflation. We're going to have to put in more turpentine. Right oh, my now. gosh. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah. How about, how about you, buddy? What are you guys drinking? Uh, well, let's go to Michael. Michael, you having any Yeah, I don't want to disappoint you guys. It's kombucha. Nope. You know what that is? Yeah. And it's like it's about as fermented as I get. I'm like as bad of a drinker as, as Bruce Lee is in this movie. You know, if I get a little sake, it's like forget it. I'm chasing girls around the table and it's uh, terrible. Yeah, yeah, that was Hennessy in this, you know. Yeah. That's the true. Henny. <laughs> the was. Henny. Thug life. No, nah, I love kombucha. Um, in fact, I uh, it's part of my health kick. I, I only mix my vodka with kombucha. So. Wow. <laughs> it's I'm classy. Not, I'm not even kidding. I, I always get nice, uh, I, we have, um, oh, I can't even think of the name of it here. Uh, it's called Brew Doctor. Um, yeah, well, something like that. Anyway, they're these nice little squat bottles, like uh, the old, uh, like, Strange Brew. Um, I think some other company came out with them. Oh, yeah, it's a Session. Session makes the little squat bottles of beer. Anyway, that's what the kombucha's like. I mix it with vodka. It's not bad. <laughs> Well, Good stuff. Session's a, a Portland beer, right? Session is from Portland, right? It is. It's full sale. Yeah. yeah. Well, I am having um, Woodford Reserve, as Ooh. always these days. Uh, it is my favorite, favorite whiskey. And I'm um, I'm pairing it up with a New Belgium out of Colorado, a gluten-y, uh, gluten-free pale ale. It's one of those <laughs> gluten light where they figured out that if they just like shove it through a Brita filter enough times, it gets to like the parts per million it needs to be to not be full of gluten. Anyway, it's disgusting. Wow, man, this is this is uh, this is just too much with this gluten stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I was just thinking you could troll them by making a beer called Glutiny. That'd be hilarious. It would be. I'd drink it. <laughs> All right. Well, we tonight we're talking about a cool movie. I mean, it's a really special movie because, uh, and I'm not going to get into the details on it. It's, um, I would, I think Michael actually uh, DM'd this to me on Twitter. This was the first leading role for Bruce Lee in the in the movie The Big Boss. Isn't that right? That that's right. This was, I mean, just taking it as as a, an adult. Because if you remember, eleven or if you know, eleven years before, Bruce Lee as a child star had a few leading roles in Hong Kong as an eighteen, seventeen, and fifteen year old. So this is sort of once he's gone to America and he's come back, and now it's nineteen seventy one, and this is his first, you know, adult role in a in a martial arts film, or any film really. Okay, well that leads me on to Grizzly Peak films. So. You've been doing a lot of stuff. Um, in particular, I uh, was looking at your Catfish Blues. Um, I think it was like June or around somewhere in the middle of the year. Um, you had a cool run with uh, um, putting it out there into the different film festivals and getting a lot of great feedback on it. Um, I also know in advance, and I, I should formulate my questions and statements better, Catfish Blues is out. You... Um, I'm going to let you talk about some other films you've been working on, but uh, as it relates to this particular podcast, uh, I want to know about uh, your trip coming up and uh, this sure. uh, documentary about uh, the the Bruce Bloitation Bruce Bloitation films Bruce Bloitation films. There you go. Which I mean, just to to take it from there, what I am doing at the end of this uh, the end of this month is I have a, first off, I have a book that I've been working on for the last five or six years. And my day job is as a filmmaker and as an actor, and I've been doing it for, you know, over 20 years here in Los Angeles. But my inner nerd, my, you know, inner child nostalgia falls into these Kung Fu films as, as a kid, you know, and as I grew up on these things back in the, the end of the uh, grindhouse era. And so, um, as as a kid, like you guys were discussing here, Bruce Lee was my first sort of foray into it. I went to see Enter the Dragon thinking it was a monster film. And then halfway through the movie, I turned to my, my mom and said, when's he going to enter the dragon? So that but but it opened my eyes to who Bruce Lee was. And so I spent, you know, the next few years trying to see more of his films and got suckered into what these what we know now, we know now as Bruce Bloitation or Bruce Lee exploitation films, which usually feature an imitator or is a spin off on one of you know his storylines or movies or to some degree there's the book i go into this a lot it's it's kind of a, a there's a, a loose definition of what bruce exploitation is but uh i'm working with severin films which uh they released a lot of um mostly uh, like i think italian horror films and genre films from all around the world and they've gotten interested in this idea of doing this because i did a commentary uh, on a, a Blu-ray they did called, um, I think it was called Kung Fu Trailers of Fury. I can't remember the title of it, mm-hmm. but it's out on Blu-ray. It's great. It's great. It should, anybody out there listening to this should look into it because they found two hours worth of trailers in a Chinese restaurant in, in Canada. And there are these rare trailers from these great Kung Fu films. So we just came in and did a, I did with with uh, Rick Myers and we did an audio commentary on it. But in a nutshell, leading up to what you were asking is we're going to Hong Kong, Taiwan and possibly Korea. We're going to interview many of the filmmakers and the actors, etc., that were part of this 
this genre and just sort of the 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 time after it's dealing a lot with just the time after Bruce Lee left when he passed away and what the how these films and other films were sort of um offshoots of what he had left like because he was like a you know a meteor as they say he came in he was gone he hit everything hard kind of shook it up and how everybody started to interpret or digest or process his passing and his contribution and through these films so it's really gonna be interesting i'm really excited because these are the people that i've as a kid was just you know uh, just followed as a kid but anyways my my uh, it's my first documentary i do usually narrative films catfish blues is um, a little indie film we did recently um, that we did the festivals with. Um, but, you know, as an actor, I, you know, I work all the time on other people's projects. And, you know, but as a, as a film director and a writer, I do a lot of smaller films. I've got one coming out called Broken Memories that stars uh, Ron Howard's father, Rance Howard, uh, deals with Alzheimer's. Um, I've got a film I'm doing now that we're doing actually the last day of shooting uh, this week on. It's called The Butterfly Guard, and it's a film about MMA fighters. So anyways, I, you know, I'm constantly jumping around doing different things because I'm a workaholic. And so hence, here I am. And that was a lot of talking, so I hope it uh, wasn't too much. No, that's fantastic. I love that you're um, so into um, martial arts in general. Um, yeah. I, we talked a little bit earlier that you've actually studied with some of the students of Bruce Lee. Uh, yeah, coming to L.A., it was sort of a twofold thing because I came out here when I was 18 years old. I mean, as soon as I got out of high school, I was like gone, just topped on a, my, my Mustang, drove down to L.A. and mm-hmm. <laughs> slept in my car for a while and finally got a place. But the, it was because I wanted to have a film. I wanted to work in film. And um, I also wanted to study under all of Bruce Lee's students because I was such a fan at that point. And so I spent time with Dan Asanto, who was is probably Lee's probably most known student and he's actually the guy that he fights in game of death the uh, filipino yeah, martial yeah. fights awesome. tower yeah, that's dan and asanto and then um jerry poteet who i'd spent i became an assistant instructor under who was one of bruce uh lee's students in his los angeles chinatown school and uh and just i've spent a time with other other students too um like george lee and larry hartzell and different people that train under bruce so it's luckily some of them are passed away now so it's it was you know for me it's just such a you know lucky thing that i had the opportunity to get into it when i was younger because i caught them all as they were still teaching yeah that's that's really great um we talked a little bit about this earlier i wanted to talk more about it but you've uh you've actually met a lot of the guys that uh that deal, dealt with bruce lee on a regular basis like uh, bob wall and john saxon bob wall in particular um if i understand from things i've read on the the web and stuff they were pretty close like he knew that he could trust bob wall because bob wall could take a freaking punch right like and you watch him in all these movies with bruce lee and he he gets the shit kicked out of him because bruce lee wasn't playing around there's no pulling punches when they're doing this choreography what's he like well, Bob Wall was back in the tournament days with Chuck Norris. They were really good friends, and Joe Lewis, and these guys that knew Bruce from the tournaments. Bruce wasn't fighting in the tournaments, but everybody knew who he was because he was this fighter from you know from Asia, and he was over here and he'd train with them and teach them, and they would they would pull it into their um, into their uh, tournament fighting. But uh, he uh, Bob's he's great. I mean, you're right. He's very you know he's still extremely viable. He's you know really into this stuff. John Saxon's been a friend of mine for about ten years, and so uh, John and I and his wife uh, Gloria went and did a couple of these uh, when it was uh, the 
back in uh, what am I trying to say? In the two, uh, 2013, it was the 40th of Enter the Dragon, so they were doing a lot of these events. And so Bob was always at them, and and we'd go together. And, and he's great. I mean, he's a, you know he was in he's one of the only American actors to do two of Lee's films. Well, I mean, if you want to count Game of Death, he actually got three. But um, you know, he did Way of the Dragon, and then he was O'Hara and Enter the Dragon. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I think it's really interesting um, listening to the stories about uh, like I don't know. Uh, we know Bruce Lee as like perfectly suave cool um i guess like according to bob wall he he was just like a power beyond power like he was just so it was he was arrogant but it was arrogant like for like good use like he he was just i don't know something out of this world and well he was ahead of his time for yeah. sure. And then and what you said is is actually right because when I talked to people and I remember having this conversation with Chuck Norris, I said I, I was going, Oh yeah, God, Bruce was really fast, wasn't he? You know, and, and he goes, Yeah, but what people don't get is that guy was strong, he said. Like he, he would do these feats in front of him that was like in punch you know, like hit him in the with a pad in front of his chest and he'd literally go flying back. He's, you know, so, and John told me the same thing when, you know, Bruce Lee, I guess he used to love to introduce himself to new people by saying, hi, how's your name? You know, I'm Bruce Lee. And then he'd go, let me punch you. <laughs> you know, and he would literally <laughs> punch people and send them flying with a, a three inch punch where he'd put his, you know, his fist a few inches from your chest and then just using his body mechanics, thrust his fist into you and he'd hit you and you'd go sailing back into a bed or a pillows or whatever he had sitting behind you. Yeah. It's fantastic. All right, well, we are going to talk about his first, I guess, film as a lead, The Big Boss. Uh, I won't say more about the title right now because we're going to talk about that. It's a it's a strange movie. Um, it's uh, understated. He comes in. Um, it's about some corruption and family. And it's, it's a very strange thing um, because the whole beginning of the film bruce lee doesn't fight anybody it you would watch this and you would think it's actually being led by somebody else uh james tin i believe is his name he played uh yep. chang so it's a very strange film uh from a i'm watching this as a big fan of bruce lee uh, as you continue to watch it you watch him get more and more angry about the mistreatment of his family and about drugs and about all sorts of random stuff and then when he finally blows it is a gorgeous ending of the film where he beats the shit out of everyone uh that said it without bruce lee this film would have been very odd it would have been probably easily forgettable but uh it's there's something we said about like his presence in it i guess that makes it awesome i don't know give me your give me your just thoughts on it uh Start wherever you want to start, but the big boss, what is it for you, Michael? Well, it's really funny because I, the two fir- the first two films I saw of Lee's was Another Dragon, and then I saw The Big Boss as a kid. And over the years, as I start to see his other films, this one would always fall in sort of the last of my my favorites, like of, of the four films, you know, Fist of Fury, Way of the Dragon, Another Dragon, and this. I'd always put this in the back. But over the years, as I've gotten older and I've watched it, I've kind of moved it up about a, a film or two. You know, I, I still don't think it hits Fist of Fury or Enter the Dragon yet, but I, I kind of even like it more than I like Bruce Lee's sort of, you know, m- you know, his full-on film, which is Way of the Dragon, since he wrote it and directed it. 
Um, but it, what's kind of historically interesting about it is it's since we were talking about this is Lee's first role as an as an adult. And what what happens is, is he's coming on to the set. And you remember, he's been in America now for 11 years, 10, 11 years. So he's sort of like entering this again, even though this is where he you know grew up as a kid. It's a it's strange territory for him. Plus, he's on a film set. He's the new boy. They all feel like he's got something about him. So they're all excited. But he's still the new guy. And he's got to contend with um, Han Ying Che, who played the boss. The guy that plays the big boss is also the choreographer. And he actually was the choreographer for both this and the next film, Fist of Fury. Now, I say choreographer, you know, in the sense it was his name on the film, but when you watch this film, I think, especially if you watch it with this eye, you can start to see this sort of um, arrival of Lee's choreography and Lee's sort of um, his uh, uh, martial art being brought into what was otherwise that very flaily arms, flaily kicks, jumping on trampoline stuff that was very common <laughs> at that time. And there's still some of it. Lee's getting put through some of it in this film, which you kind of know he probably didn't really want to do, but he had to kind of go along with oh, it. Oh, wait, the, uh, the dog scene? Oh, the, yeah. The German Shepherd <laughs> scene? I mean, yep. what? Well, and the interesting thing about that is, and, you know, jumping into that story, is I think there was another scene where he actually, I don't know if he kills the dogs or he gets them to, to, to run off. Because when he comes in at the end, as you know, just to jump ahead a little bit, he's eating dog biscuits. What's That's weird. what it looks I remember him, I remember him beating up the dogs. And well, I, he, in the one I watched, yeah. the recent one, it didn't happen. Well, it's just the the way it is in the in the film is I think you're probably just remembering it as he's just dodging out of the way as they're yeah. being yeah no that's poor what dogs I saw again being it, flung at him yeah <laughs> yeah but as a kid I was like doesn't he kick a dog like now that would be like Peta would be upset and I don't know yeah not that there was a Peta but yeah you're you're right but I think there was probably something that was shot for the end. Because he he just that's why I think he brought the treats the dog treats that he's eating in the story I think that you know so anyways but but just back to your question I, I think for me again this film's rough it's definitely like you said without Bruce in it I think it would just be probably lost in the annals of time you know um, but you know knowing the history of it watching that this whole thing you just talked about with him the, holding him back from fighting which is part accident but part conceptualized in, in the story. I think really now for me, I actually like the sort of rawness of this film and the and the sort of somewhat you know novice approach that they took to the filmmaking. I like it. I also I, I love that you brought up. I didn't think about that. Like he had been in America for a really long time, and he was used to American film studios. You know, Cato, and he'd he'd seen like big production. So to go to Hong Kong and be on the skeleton budget of you know. <laughs> It was about just just the 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 budget on it was about a hundred thousand U.S. dollars wow. for that film. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, Lee. Uh, yeah. Uh, the big boss. I, I, the big boss. Uh, I I didn't realize that the big boss was the uh, choreographer, but I did know that. Um, I did know that um, that uh, the choreographer. I did notice right away, like when I saw all the other actors and in the supporting roles that. The choreographer was the only one who really looked up to par physically with uh, with Bruce Lee. That stood out to me right away. I, um, I, I like Michael said. Michael is like uh, I'm so thankful that he's on here because I had no idea about 
the vast majority of of the history about Bruce Lee, and uh, it just makes me appreciate the movie that much more. But right off the bat, I thought, you know, even though it's a longer movie, the pacing was actually quite fun. Uh, and even though we had to we had to wait, you know, uh, for the uh, for the for Bruce Lee to go on, off the chain, uh, the thing that stood out to me was that, uh, and it's kind of a Bruce Lee trope that comes on later on that other movies borrow. But uh, you know, when when the cousin is hit beating on people, he's decent, uh, John Tian or whatever. From uh, I played he did Game of Death as well, but whatever that guy's name is, he 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 hits on people and it's 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 good. But when Bruce Lee hits people, you don't hit back, right? Like all the underlings, is as soon as he touches them, they just fall, uh, like uh, like uh, like 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 a, a bad stock market. They're just down, and uh, and even early on, you know, it happens, and you're just like, yeah, Bruce Lee's the man. And uh, and there were a couple of things that I saw in the movie that were really funny. Like there's a trope that I they like there's the thing that stood out to me is that be it be it martial arts movies or video games. Like we still copy things that Bruce Lee do, does to, did to this day, and one of the things that I wish they would copy. There's a scene when he's he's beating on people um, outside of the uh, the ice factory, and uh, there he he hits the guy so hard that it makes a silhouette in the world. And I was <laughs> like, right. that is awesome. I was like, that's the one. I mean, out of all the movies you see <laughs> that copy Bruce Lee movies. That is priceless. I was like, I need, I need more of that in 2016. Uh, but ultimately, you could tell just by even in the entree die. I'm not like, I'm not like Michael. I never did Jeet Kune Do. I did like a couple months at Krav Maga, and I, I even by the untrained eye. I'm not a trained fighter, but even by the untrained eye, you can see they did a good job of expressing that Bruce Lee is on another level in the movie, and it, yeah. it just. It's a fun. It's a fun movie, and uh, I mean, Third Uncle is styling. I mean, what else do you want from a movie that you know had a had a minuscule budget? I, and the uh, and the fact that it's unrefined by Hollywood standards didn't really bother me. It didn't affect the story. I didn't. I wasn't like sitting on my couch going, "Oh wait, I'm watching a movie." I was still engaged throughout the whole process. Well, you know, it's interesting too when you read his letters that he would write home at the time when he was shooting this. He was he'd like lost ten to fifteen pounds while he was shooting out there. You know, he always had a weight loss problem. Like he was constantly sweating so much. He, he, um, so that was always an issue with him. But he would just talk about the conditions for the the that that. I mean, he made like less than ten thousand dollars on that movie. You know, so um, he. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, one of the, to, to to your point. The thing is, a lot of these guys in these films and like up to this point this is why his uh, bruce lee's appearance on the scene was so critical is most of them had this sort of traditional martial arts experience and a lot of these guys in these movies were trained for the movies rather than being devout martial artists themselves and then bruce comes along and at this point he's like fully immersed i mean this guy just wants to be the best he's you know throwing a thousand kicks a day a thousand punches a day he's just like i mean he's obsessed with being strong fast and accurate so he shows up and everybody's going holy crap we're now dealing with the guy that could you know probably beat each one of us up you know and i think that does come across number one but two and this is the other thing and i think you brought this up matthew that that was that's sort of beyond his fighting ability because sometimes even in this film it gets a little sloppy sometimes it's a little you know from a a technical perspective like as a fighter you know there are some you know mma guys that would throw a better roundhouse kick than i saw in this particular moment whatever his charisma is there's something unique about that that when he steps in there and he does this 
it just stood out. You can't deny. I I, I remember as a kid go, taking other people to see his movies that would have never gone to these movies in the first. They come out going, God, there was something about that guy. There was something about that guy, and I think that's a big part of it too. Yeah, yeah, and I I want to I want to preface. I don't think he was arrogant. I. I mean, like there's there are moments in the movies where he his character not only seems to transcend the petty normalcy of of uh, all the rest of us, but even he kind of just kind of looks disinterested. And I I think he was just self actualized. I think he just knew deep down inside. I mean, this guy attracted the most famous people in the world, like Steve McQueen. I mean, the guy was a big fucking deal. And you know, not through not just through his hard work and his intelligence, but through his life, I mean, the man expressed not just a vision, but like he just he just seemed to be something. He was. It's almost like he was called to be this great beacon for the rest of us to aim for, right? Like he just he just knew, you know. And I don't I don't hold it against him when he comes across in the movie as kind of disinterested or or some people say arrogant or anything like that. I just think. Dude, if you're Bruce Lee, why wouldn't we? How? Why? I mean, you should be thankful he's not being belligerent. I mean, he. I mean, the guy was a force, you know, a, a force that everyone had to reckon with. So, I mean, he. I mean, his his appeal is transcendent, right? Like he appeals to you guys who are older than me, obviously, and he's going to appeal to people that are coming, going to come out twenty years from now, yeah. you know, and be like, "This is a great. This was a great man." I mean, Michael, you could speak more to that. I, I had a quick question for you, yeah. uh, Before we move on, I, I wanted to ask because I know he had that back injury and that, you know, he was laid up, and that's what made him even better when he came back from the back injury, even though it affected him the rest of his life. Did this movie come out before or after the back injury? This is after that. That actually happened to him in the 60s like late 60s he was and it wasn't like you know the movie's always portrayed as he gets into this fight and he gets his back injured but he was actually doing a good morning lifts it's a sort of a lower back exercise with some barbells and he, he just totally tweaked it out you know uh, so yeah wasn't was that there was that movie one particular movie and it was a yeah. really big one but it kind of like dragon, con- dragon yeah. the bruce lee story dragon the bruce well, and, and and that moment you're about to talk about it's actually they just made a movie a fairly uh, I can't remember the producers of it are like they produced the Fast and the Furious or something. I can't remember, but there it's a pretty big movie coming out just about that moment in his life when he has that fight uh, in Oakland. Hmm. Um, so it's um, with Wong Jock Man. He that was his. He had a he had a fight when he was in Oakland because they were sort of challenging the way he taught and who he was teaching to kind of a thing. And so he said, "Well, let's go fight." And they got into this fight that went on for like three minutes. It apparently amounted to just Bruce Lee basically chasing this guy around a parking lot and hitting him in the back of the head. And what happened was after that fight took place. Bruce was so tired and exhausted that he, he said to his wife, you know, he goes, I he goes, look, I, you know, I won the fight, quote unquote. He goes, but man, I was exhausted. I was tired. I, and that was sort of why he started studying American philosophy on on I mean, not American philosophy as he did in college, but on the, the physical aspects. And that's when he that up to that point, he was a Wing Chun guy straight through and through. You know, he studied Wing Chun and that was his martial art. And then he started studying boxing and fencing and he was bringing yeah. in weightlifting and conditioning. And hence, you got the Bruce Lee you got in the end of his career. Yeah. So that always made way more sense to me because um, that always the the movie Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't find any, like, factuality in that. When I look through, like, his career, there was something about um, in that fight with that guy that when he came out of it, um, he was like, well, well, I'm using an inefficient martial art, and I want to make it more efficient. And that was the birth yeah. 
yeah, of Jim Kundo. And I, and just in, on that movie, I mean, I actually worked on that movie behind the scenes a little bit because when I first got to L.A. and I was studying with Jerry Poteet, who trained Jason Scott Lee through that film, we got together and worked on that fight scene that they do in the ring, you know, the, no the scene where he fights them. And so, wow. So Jason and me and Jerry and some other people would get together and work on the choreography for that. So <laughs> You actually it. affected my life, Michael, because after <laughs> I saw that movie, I told my mom, to buy for my birthday, I wanted like a couple of Jeet Kune Do books. Oh, so good. You, you there really, you go. You really changed. You literally touched me at that point, Michael. No homo. But I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I was going to point out just before we move. Uh, we're not really moving anywhere. Whatever. James Tien. Um, oh. I, I guess I could click him here in Internet Movie Database. He was he looked like a leading man. Uh, yeah. His real name, yeah, James Tian Chun. Well, he's got Paul Tian, James Tian Chun, yeah. James Tien. You got to remember all these guys have multiple names. You know, he was so. like the Jackie Chan before the Jackie Chan. He looked Americanized, uh, but also he just kind of was pretty. And right. the whole beginning of the Big Boss, every time he'd fight, you know, Bruce Lee wanted to jump in there. And it yeah. wasn't quite convenient because he was wearing that, uh, that nice um, jade emblem from his mother yep. <laughs> but it was hilarious to see him because i'm like at, in hindsight i'm like i can see how this guy was like he thought he was the guy he was he thought he was the hero i can imagine well, and and yeah no and that's right and you, it, which probably says something about him too because he he, he did go into this thinking he was going to be the lead and i think they actually thought at the time that's what was going to happen in fact the first scene that they shot apparently of 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 the movie with James and Bruce was that scene where they're coming back at night from yeah. the the gambling thing and then they yeah. do that that wasn't even really necessarily going to be in the movie it was sort of like a test scene that got in fact there's more to that scene where they they lit like a uh, a thing of uh, wheelbarrow on fire and threw it at each other like there was more to that <laughs> fight scene that got shot but you're right that's what that's there was a little bit that I think which is part of what makes this movie feel maybe a slightly uneven at times because I think he was going to be the star initially and then they switched over and, and made it Bruce. What I love about this film is that it, it's a very sincere film because it was made at a particular time in Hong Kong cinema that yeah. they just made shit and they just went for it. So they didn't know what they were doing. Um, I know uh, it was a very uneven production and Bruce Lee was very upset about it. Um, right out of the gate, they changed directors um, the new director, oh, we talked about him, uh, uh, Lo Wei, he oh, yeah. was a gambling addict. And I guess, you know, in these days of this Hong Kong cinema, what they would do is they'd film the whole movie and then they would film all the audio. Like for, I guess it was yeah. techno technologically sound to do it that way, even though to us intuitively, it makes no sense to try to record audio later. But it's why when you watch these old, old, uh, golden harvest films the even in the right language the mouths don't line up perfectly to the words being spoken yeah so, and and no you go ahead sorry you, oh, right, i was so. just gonna finish this yeah so that said uneven production gambling boss bruce lee out of hollywood coming into hong kong cinema and like going what the fuck's going on um directors changed right at the beginning i mean it must have been freaking chaos first off no budget. Yeah, feel free to jump in. I'm just like, holy shit, how did this get made, right? Sure, sure. No, you're right. And I think what you, when you and I were talking a little bit about this before you started uh, the show, and that is 
you know, first off, Lo Wei had a very lackluster way of trying to direct movies. He would he loved the horse races, so he always had a radio on by his head. So he'd literally be directing with the radio on, which is perfect for not shooting sound, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and, and on that sound note, it, it was true, uh, particularly in the Hong Kong film industry. But, it, you know, I mean, it was true of the Italian cinema as well. Mainly because of the noise. You know, you don't want to be screaming everybody to keep the noise down. But also because there were so many uh, dialects and languages that they were going to translate into later. They just didn't even bother. They just figured they can just dub it anyway. So mm. um, that's why they would shoot without sound. Um, but uh, you're right. Low, I mean, this was a big problem on the first Lee's first two films. Because by the time they were finishing Fist of Fury, you know, Bruce Lee and Lo Wei... I mean, they, like, hated each other. Or, actually, it, Bruce Lee actually attacked him towards the end of his life. I mean, like, they met in a, a hallway, and, and Bruce Lee just came at him, you know? <laughs> so, um, but, uh, yeah, he, he was notorious for, for doing that. He was an actor for many, many years, and then in the Shaw Brothers, he started, he even directed and acted in a half dozen of films where he was, like, playing one of the leads, and he directed. But, you know, he's he, if you look him up, he's a very prolific filmmaker and then after you know the big boss he only did about another dozen films but he's kind of notable in 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 our annals of hong kong history because he gave both bruce lee and jackie chan their big starts you know yeah and they all came from uh, well i know um i know Sammo hung and jackie chan i don't think bruce lee fits into this mode but they came from that same like the same school it's a school that taught wing chun at some level, but also taught um, like theatrics. So well, that's okay. Yeah, no, that's that's the Peking Opera. That that was Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung, Yun Biu, all the you know some of the Yun brothers. They all they all came out of the Peking Opera, which was you know the Peking Opera. So it was, it was really hard. In fact, there's a film called Painted Faces. If you ever want to look it up, Sammo Hung directed it, and it's all about their experience as kids in in the as they were known as the lucky stars their group and and all of them right. being raised in yeah this terrible <laughs> this abusive you know theatrical group now bruce lee wasn't a part of that you know by the time he was 18 his father had kicked him out and said get the hell out and go to america before you get in trouble you know and he came out here and you know you're talking about the 60s he became a hipster so it was a very different uh, upbringing for the two of and, them but um and isn't that story um uh, extended a little like Bruce Lee when he was um, wherever he was at right before he came to um, San Francisco he was in street fights all the time right like he was getting in trouble he was getting in a lot of fights in Hong Kong correct yeah, okay. they would do these competitions where they would the different schools would meet up on rooftops and get in fights and call, you know people would get hurt and injured and, and a lot of I, if the story goes a lot of when Bruce came back Back, particularly at this time, the triads were, you know, a big force in, in Hong Kong and, you know, in the out, some of the outlying territories. And, you know, these fights were gang fights. You know, I mean, Bruce Lee was in gangs and, you know, you'd create these sort of bad rifts. And so when he came back, there was still some of that bad blood, I think, floating around. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even Lo Wei was apparently tied into one of the triad gangs. So it's, you know, it's just a, it was a crazy, people are, you know, don't realize how much more corrupt the film industry was particularly back then right you know? yeah and to get footage of those fights holy shit well there is yeah. pictures. there are photos there's a couple of photos and you can find them and you know online and you know in books and stuff when bruce lee got challenged on the set of enter the dragon by an extra 
And he didn't really have like a full out brawl with him, but he brought him back. The guy was calling him out and he said, just come down here. And I'll, he goes, I'll, I'll tell you what, you take a couple shots at me, then I'll take a couple shots at you. And apparently he, at, by the end of it, he'd like the guy threw some shots and he missed Bruce. And Bruce went at him and just with the first kick, you know, knocked a tooth out or something. And actually, once he did it, he actually paid somebody to take him to the hospital afterwards. But there's photos of that. You'll, you'll see these pictures of Bruce Lee and he's squaring off with this kid in the gi. He looks like he's like 19 or 20 years old. <laughs> like he's just throwing some kicks and punches at him. But yeah, it happened. It happened on this movie and The Big Boss, too. I got a, I got a quick question because I saw like some footage. I don't know if it was Hong Kong or if it was uh, in, in the United States, but where Bruce Lee is on rooftops and it's black and white and he's fighting people with like, uh, like knives, like, like they're, they're like, there's it's a knife fighting. So when they were in Hong Kong and they were doing that rooftop fighting, was it something where Bruce Lee more than likely was fighting people that were armed? That there he was is, not. There is some old, there definitely is some old footage. It's hard to find. So you, it's probably cool that you found it, but it, it hasn't, didn't get really spread out a lot but where he is on doing some of that rooftop fighting i don't know if some of the guys had knives if they were really trying to stab each other but knives would definitely they would actually hide knives and belt buckles and do all kinds of crazy stuff chains and in all these weird places because they would use weapons for sure i mean it wasn't just like empty hands no that's fantastic can i throw out yeah back to the big boss let's go is it not just fucking crazy when he just starts fucking straight out murdering people Yeah, <laughs> he does. It's like I finally lost my jade necklace. I'm now just gonna like I'm kicking and I'm kicking with force that nobody's ever seen. Cool, everybody's done. He goes. He goes back to the prostitute. He gets some information. He comes back home, finds dead family, and then he gets back to the ice warehouse and he does not hold back on stabbing the shit out of some people. Well, and you know what's interesting about that, and, I, and this is why later I've, I've I've had an appreciation for this film. There are some little nuances to that 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 you go, yeah, they really thought this through because when you pay attention to when Bruce finally does that, it's when he's in the ice house and it's at night and they're all surrounding him and he has to fight his way out and he's you know putting saws in people's heads and all that stuff. But when he finally hits the big boss, his son, you know, and they had that big moment where the music kicks in, and he's like holding his fist and it's shaking, and the guy yeah. falls over and he's. I feel like they really took that moment where, like, he crosses over. Like, I've done it, I've killed people, and now I'm in a different zone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I thought that that it wasn't just, like, thrown away, he kills somebody, and it's like nothing ever happened. I, and I felt like they were trying to sell that in the movie, and, and I thought it really worked, actually. No, I agree. I just, I, I was absolutely, like, like, everything else, there's a lot of, like, people, you, you, I guess they die if they're hit with a nunchaku or they're hit with yeah. a staff whatever we move on but this was knife in your guts like knife in your chest knife in your head like he's straight up that's the way it is it's like any movie we have today like you got a guy with a gun he's eventually going to pull it out and he's going to murder everybody and that's the way it goes (laughs) this was like the equivalent in 1971 hong kong with knives he's just stabbing the fuck out of people and i just thought holy shit i mean i hadn't seen it in years and it it, it was delightful, frankly. It's like, let's do this. If we're going to do this, I'm not only going to kick you as hard as I'm going to kick you that you're going to fly across the room and die, but I'm also going to stab the shit out of you. And then we're not even to the German Shepherds yet. So. That's true. It felt good. It felt good. 
Well, that is that again. There's another piece in that where right before he goes to the big boss's house, you know, he has that moment where he's sitting on the riverside and he's talking to himself. And if you listen to the Chinese version of it, he has this conversation in his head where he says, you know, maybe I should just go home. This is this wasn't my real family. And, you know, I should just get out of here. And then he looks and then all of a sudden you see this like image of them all in the water and they're all looking at him and waving. He goes, but these people were like my family. And if I don't avenge them, what good am I? And then he takes his bag, which is everything he owns, and he throws it in the river because he's basically uh, saying, I'm gone. Well, I'm done. That was on, that was in our version of the movie that we watched. No, that's yeah, okay. no I, the Chinese language that we couldn't actually. I mean, I, I remember he had like a couple dumb lines, but you're right. He throws all of his worldly goods into the river. And then he just runs like a mother fricker to get revenge, which is yep. what the actually in the English version, all he talks about, maybe I need to get ultimate revenge. And then he goes, but the, the, the thing is, is that even though the movie doesn't really heat up until the workers strike and they bring in all the, all the, uh, all the lackeys to get their, to get uh, their, their asses handed to them. It's still a good movie at that point. It still doesn't sure. suck. That's what's so cool about the movie. And then we get boobies and Hennessy. I mean, <laughs> what else do you want? You know, well, if you want, is... you want, you guys want to see even more. If you watch one of the original Mandarin trailers for it, they and they they would do this. I think at times back back then with in Hong Kong and in Japan, even you know where they would shoot extra stuff just for the trailer. And if you watch the trailer, there's another scene in the trailer where it's a couple quick shots where Bruce Lee throws a girl on a bed, and hmm. she's naked, and then he's he's and then she he backs off, and then she looks at him, and he's standing stark naked behind a couch, and the couch is just covering his privates, and he's just like staring at her, and she's looking at him, you know, it's this very sort of masculine, intense moment. Now apparently. Somebody said, and I, this may be true or may not be true, that now may have been made just for the trailer, but there was supposedly a moment that, uh, in the lore of this movie anyways, where after he throws, it's either right before he throws the bags in, or a, I, think it's, I think it's after he throws the wa- bags into the water, he goes back to the brothel and basically just has full-on sex and then goes to kill the big boss. Nice. And, that, and that clip that you see in the trailer, as they're saying, is from that, is from that um, because the other prostitute that he was with was now dead obviously in the ice but so anyway so it's kind of an interesting little tid we need to get we need to get back to that that's what he's saying we need to start doing that more <laughs> like scenes shot just solely for the trailer that are just sexual yeah what were you saying yes. <laughs> no exactly that i needed your comment on that i wanted to throw out um this movie has like 15 deleted scenes um when they tried to bring it to the u.s market i'm not gonna spoil a top six question by throwing this out there i will throw this out um, there is a scene where they're cutting the people up in the ice factory, and I guess it looked fucking dumb. Like, they're bringing this saw blade down on these fake bodies, and it's just so obvious it's not real people getting chopped up. Anyway, it was so controversial, they cut all that shit out of there for, like, I think most uh, most of the releases for it. I don't know. I, there must have been some. One, some release that kept it. It wasn't the U.S. release, that's for sure maybe england or god knows where but somebody left it in there and it was very controversial because you know it showed a dummy getting cut by a drill i made a big ice saw and blood going everywhere or something like that I don't know. yeah no there 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 are some i mean there's of course you know how its history is it sort of expands on this but there were some stuff that i think there was a release of the film in the first initial cantonese release of it i think it was where there was some of this stuff in there um and then they did 
pull some of it out for later. So by the time it hit the U.S. and was in any dub versions, you pretty much know what you're getting. Yeah. Um, and see what, but there you can still, there are still slight variations out there with little bits and pieces put on tactile. Like, for instance, at the very end of the film, where you know Lee kills the big boss, he sticks his fingers into his chest, you know. And there's some of the U.S. versions where they don't show his fingers like stuck in his chest with blood pouring out. Oh, damn and, it! Um, you just yeah. ruined you just ruined one of my trivia questions. Oh man! I gotta come out. You just talk. <laughs> I'll just listen. No, it's okay. I'll make up no. one for that. But no, that, no, no, that's, that's awesome. Exactly. Think of that. Um, and I will have to just make up one for that. But the U.S. it was rated X when Bruce Lee shoved his fingers into the big boss's ribcage. What, what, what year did this come out in? 71. 71. Now, and the interesting, this, to go into my other, my other little business here, what we're doing, in the Bruceploitation world, there was a film called uh, Bruce's Deadly Fingers, or Bruce's Fingers, or it was also <laughs> released in the U.S. as The Young Dragon. And he's learning... I don't know, and there's a couple of films that have this, and I have no idea where, you know, it's funny how it got passed around, but Lee's finger technique. And so <laughs> it's, it's all about the Bruce Bloitation actor in this film, Bruce Lay, learning the, his, you know, Bruce's finger technique, which they keep calling his finger <laughs> technique, his finger technique. And I think it was inspired by that moment because at the end of the film, when he kills the, the villain in his film, he does the same thing, but he does it in his eyes. <laughs> oh, even better. Okay, so I meant to ask you earlier, as part of your documentary, do you intend to talk about uh, they call me Bruce and they still call me Bruce? Yeah, oh, all of them. We're gonna we're gonna talk into all these people because I think that those films are the yeah. That's the kind of why we're going there. And they're the I, weird ones, right? They're American ones with a Korean star. Yeah, and yeah. it's oh, not you guys a- would be, you guys would be surprised. There's actually an entire. Um, uh, an entire Filipino Bruce Ploitation genre that was actually being made while he was still alive. They were oh, ripping man. off his movies while he was alive, but they were doing it in semi-comical way. There's a there's a fish of fury that was released in seventy two. Oh my so, god! Comedy. Nice. Yep. Comedy. Yeah, I mean, well, it's like this to watch it. You can't tell. It's such a like dry comedy. Like they're not playing. Like over the top, it's like very dry, but you're like going, they can't be serious, you know. Uh, but Ramon Zamora, who became known as Bruce Lai with L Y yeah. eventually, there's a Bruce Lai L I, and then there's a Bruce Lai L Y, and that was, um, that he was one of the two kind of famous Filipino Bruce Lee, um, okay. Uh, so I didn't know Bruce L I was Filipino, no, yeah. Bruce L I is not, he's Taiwanese, okay. okay, good, because I've seen him, um, in. A ton of stuff. Um, oh, no, he, he's the most well-known for sure. In fact, he's one of the people we're trying to talk to. So um, he's the, definitely the most well-known. Oh, my God. That would be so awesome. But, yeah, he was the one. Like He, he really kind of looked the part. He had the same stature. He did not have the musculature. You know, or, you know, but he definitely looked the part. He stands out for a lot of people because... It, there are a couple of reasons why he really respected Bruce Lee. In fact, he hated that they were marketing him the way they did. Like he, he there's a whole great story to him about that. But he, um, he also actually studied Wing Chun. You know, it wasn't like he was just bringing his own way. So he kind of had that study in his background, and he actually really went to acting school. He was trying to be a good actor. So I think all of that sort of thrown in together made him uh, like the most endearing of all of these imitators where he you know you didn't feel like he was just out there posing he was really trying to make some films um you know good 
I, I wanted to piggyback with a question real quick, if I may. Um, Michael, what, what, uh, cause earlier you said that you, uh, you, and, and we had talked before the actual podcast about, about what you were doing. What, how, what was the moment or what was the genesis of my goal is to not only write a book, which I mean, you can tell us more than anybody else, how much labor, uh, of how much of a labor of love that is, but also like what, what was the genesis of not only wanting to write the book about the Bruce exploitation, but also the history after Bruce Lee, after he comes in and he just revolutionizes everything and then he leaves, you know, uh, God rest his soul. What, what was the, uh, what was the, um, what was the genesis or the, or the, or the, uh, what was the, what, what was the thing that you, that you first realized that's what you wanted to really do and to focus on? Cause it's, it seems like you're not just a fan, you're going to be a historian in a sense. And I was just curious, what was the, uh, what was the, uh, the genesis of that? If I may repeat that word three times or four times. <laughs> Go for it. I like hearing it. No, I, <laughs> I, first off, and this is my, this is me coming out of the closet with this because as a kid, you know, I, you know, I, I was telling, like I was saying to Matthew, I love Bruce Lee. I mean, he's inspired me in so many ways to become a filmmaker, to become a writer, to do all these different things and just to, you know, be a better person and a better student of just life, you know? Uh, so I, I just always, there's no, I don't even have a second hesitation when somebody says, who's your hero? You know, that he always stood out for me that way. I, and I was saying to Matthew, I got sucked in to these movies because as a kid, the first two movies I saw were Into the Dragon and I saw Big Boss. But then, and at this time, you know, this is right before home video was really getting taking off. You, the only way you could see these movies were sort of at the the grindhouse showings where they'd have like in my case, it was the Lux Theater in Oakland on 12th Street and Broadway. And they'd every Wednesday they'd have three films and it was usually two, you know, Kung Fu movies and then The Incredible Melting Man or Squirm or something <laughs> like that. And so I, I would go every time because they'd have a new, the first, the very first movie I saw was the one I was just telling you about was called the young dragon it was really Bruce's fingers. And the poster has a shot of this guy in a shirt off and sunglasses. And he's all flexed out looking like Bruce Lee. And it says Bruce's first film at the age of 18. That's his Bruce. It doesn't say Bruce lay or Bruce lie. It just says Bruce. So I went to it and saw it and just, you know, realized I had been duped. But by the time the movie was over, I was kind of like, that was kind of cool. That, you know, and I started thinking, well, I guess if Bruce Lee had done this particular kind of film, this is what it would look like. Or, you know, and, and as a result of that, my childhood was spent growing up watching so many of these films in theaters, even like Enter the Fat Dragon with Sam Hung and the real Bruce Lee and Bruce Lee's Last Game of Death and on and on and on. So um, as a kid, I collected hundreds and I still have them to this day. Uh, this was leading into the book. Uh, posters and lobby cards and I used to get them from the theaters they'd give them to me for free and I I just I had so many things and I put them away became an adult discovered women a career you know went on with my life and then about six seven years ago I was going through my storage and I found two to three boxes of just these Bruce Lee things but also all this Bruce Lai Bruce Lay exploitation posters and they're the greatest posters you've ever seen I mean they're crazy and I said you know I need to do something with these, the entrepreneur mind of myself. I'd already had a career at this point. I'm making films. I'm really busy, but I thought maybe I'll just find a book company who wants to do like a poster book on just these posters. Nice. And so I just, I've already had, on my bucket list was always to write a book. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to say I wanted to, to leave this earth feeling like I wrote one book. 
And so this one publisher got back to me and said, look, we're not interested in a, an art book, but we would, if you want to write something about these films, we'd be happy to. Now, I knew everything about these films inside and out, but I'm like, well, I don't remember, you know, I'm a filmmaker, I'm an actor, I don't, what am I going to do with this stuff? You know, I don't want to, I'm not a film critic, I don't want to sit here and write the plot lines out. And so I just said no, and then after a couple of days, I just started thinking about them, I realized, well, wait a minute, there was something about these films that I have such a nostalgic connection to, there's something about these films that I processed as a kid, and when I started thinking about it, I was like, you know what it was like? It was like the stages of death through the film industry when Bruce Lee passed away. If you watch, the, for instance, if you watch the early films like Exit the Dragon, Enter the Tiger, or The Dragon Lives, um, and some of these earlier ones, they're all dealing with Bruce Lee dying and somebody avenging his death. They're very like, it's almost like this anger. You know, it's like, he's dying, we're going to avenge his death. And it was, you know, uh, then they slowly progress to the, the middle where they're doing films more about just his life. And then they progress to this point where Bruce Lee teams up with a Jackie Chan clone. or you, And you saw this progression that, and I just, you know, I, I'm here, I'm rambling about, but I, I started thinking about it. I thought, there's a lot to talk about there. Jackie, and that's how the book Jackie Chan had done a whole bunch of, like, Bruce Bloitation things, right? Well, no, here's here's what happened. Jackie Chan really did one film that's considered Bruce Bloitation, and it's actually directed by Lo Wei, and hmm. it's called The New Fist of Fury. And right. it was a legitimate sequel to oh, um, Fist you of Fury. said that earlier. So it was actually, because it was Lo Wei, it was actually considered a true sequel. Well, and it has several of the actors from the original movie in there playing themselves again. So it's a, it's a, but but at the same time they were also shooting Fist of Fury two with Bruce Lai, another company. Like they could just do sequels. <laughs> but um, so Jackie was doing this, and 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 you know this was like one of his earliest films. He's of course trying to do a Bruce Lee thing, so it wasn't really working. And it wasn't until you know another couple of years later when he starts doing the Drunken Master and you know Snake and the Eagle Shadow and all that stuff that he found his style, which he's always said was to be anti Bruce Lee. You know, where Bruce Lee never gets hit, he goes, I get hit all the time. You know, that was his his thing. But um, yeah, there is, he did that Bruce Bloitation film, and there were several, a couple of of. When Jackie Chan was becoming famous, they did, for instance, there's a famous one called Bruce and Jackie to the Rescue, and it's a Bruce Lee imitator and a Jackie Chan imitator. You know, so that's how that goes. So back to the big boss. Sorry, guys, we're going on and on there. Uh, so I was just going to say that, uh, you know, I mean, don't don't apologize ever for that. I mean, Bruce Lee is transcendent. I mean, we. I mean, I would rather hear the history of Bruce Lee than just focus on, well, do I think this, mo- this movie is the greatest hatchet-killing movie of all time? Yes. I mean... <laughs> There were a lot of hatchets in this movie. No, there were two hatchet killings, but it was great. Every time a hatchet came out, you knew somebody was going to die, and it was going to be fucking awesome. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that I would rather hear that over. Lee, what it, made my me, it, it made me think of you, Jimbo, and the um, Jim, crazy fucking like gigantic guy with the hammer. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, that was great. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe that Love Dude that Who Walks Like a Lady is actually in Sword of Doom. I gotta watch that now. And actually, in Sword of Doom, he doesn't walk like a lady. So uh, I'm still gonna call him that from now on. Oh, oh no. Tadashi Nakada, yeah. Yeah, you know, he was so pretty. And in Yojimbo in particular, he he was just cheesy, right? He always had that silly grin on his face as he held his gun out. He was a really talented actor. And, I remember him and Ron. He was pretty in that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, he, but... he walked like a lady in, in Yojimbo. I was like, dude, the dude. 
Uh, so that's what that's his a colloquial name when I when we refer to him. Sort of yeah. dude. He he looks downright angry all the time, yep. and he is. Yeah, and please don't ever listen to anything we made about Bruce Lee before you came along, please. Oh, uh, he's, you're he, too yeah. funny. He's, he's heard it. He's heard it. And Oh, uh, shit. All right, me then. having to explain that that fat guy that Bruce Lee's beating up is Sammo Hung. That's right. The great <laughs> that was Sammo so funny. Hung. But the thing is, is that he looked like a piece of shit compared to Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee's like, he did. he's all like, he's all squared up. And that guy's looked like, he's uh. like, I like pasta and bread. <laughs> I have even watched recent Sammo Hung films and they were just terrible. I mean, he's like, I drink a lot of beer. I'm just like, dude. The poor guy, he had his sweet spot. Well, I'll tell you, he's, it, well, actually that scene, it was actually the last scene that Bruce Lee ever shot. No, kidding. they did. Yeah, that opening wasn't even in the script. They decided they need to open it up because originally it was just Lee walking around, and then the guy comes and says, "Mr. Lee, let's talk." And then he teaches that little the the kid. Um, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. blanking on his name. He uh, who went on to be a prolific director himself. But no they, kidding. That, they, yeah, the, he directed. The little, uh, don't think he feel. Yep. <laughs> he yeah, they, he directed uh, the Hitman with Jet Lee. There's a oh, movie in yeah. the nineties. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, he was the director. But I was going to say that that opening was added on, and I don't even. And apparently, I'm not positive, but I don't even think Rob uh, Bob Klaus was there. I think Bruce Lee just handled the basic direction of that that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so they, yeah, that opening it's was a just cool added scene, in. Except, yeah, it's great. I, I do feel um, <laughs> it's hilarious, but you know, I, I don't know. You, you, why don't you give me some sanity on this? Why so much butt cheeks? Yeah, it's really interesting, you know. I mean, the funny thing about it is, I agree. I mean, it's always been like, what's going on with that? You know, and I think my always, my excuse, if on a philosophical sense, was Bruce stripping the whole gee thing away to its utmost. You know what I mean? Like, just let's you and me bare naked fighting each other. Because those gloves they had. That's actually brilliant. Because geese often tell you the style, right? I'm going to wear this kind of gi with this belt, so what am I doing? If you're just wearing the fucking super, uh, I would call it the Ice King underwear from Adventure Time. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you've got no style. You're just yeah. <laughs> you're just kicking ass. And, and the, yellow remember, tracks, the yellow tracksuit oh, was already reserved yeah. for Game of Death. You know, you can't, yeah, can't use that. What was the impetus to reshoot that scene with the violence? Was it like something where they were trying to just hook people into the first ten, or what was the deal? Why did they, why did they want to add that that scene in with Sammo Hung? Do you know, Michael? Yeah, no, they just felt like they needed a little more action in the beginning because if you think about it, the, you know, here they're making this uh, the first really epic martial arts film for Hollywood, and that after that sequence in the opening there's no real fighting for a long time in the film i mean it's like you know they're all in the sand pans yeah. and we meet them at the boats they get to the tournaments you see guys throwing punch you know so there except for the flashback where angela mal does her fights you know in the when that's his sister that gets yeah. killed by bob all those guys and you got jackie chan there that's right jackie chan floats in there several times i mean he pops up about five or six times and he's in fist of fury too actually jackie Chan. i is. did not know that yep Yep. So where is he at in the? Oh, you're talking about in Chinese. Oh, sorry. In yes, two. Chinese connection. Sorry, yes, in Chinese connection. Fist of Fury, Chinese connection. Yes, Bruce uh, Jackie's in there. I yep. do love to see him getting his uh, nuts kicked um, at the beginning of Enter the Dragon, and he does the perfect Jackie Chan face. Yeah, the the the, the animated. Yeah. Yeah. The, ooh. <laughs> 
Yeah. Thus confirming that Matthew Whitaker is a cock block. I mean, that's... Ah, yeah, can confirm that. See? See? I, I right. got you there. All right. So quick question. Getting... Quick question before before oh, we wrap please, up. Please, please. Michael, because um, uh, we don't ever get any, like, super cool experts on. So, you know, I, I mean, I got to I gotta indulge where I can. You know? I wanted to ask you a question because um, in the game of death, they... They say that he he I mean he went to Korea and he did he did all this on his own and then they 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 you know it was kind of like one of the things where it died in production. What do you think he I mean because you've you've met the people who portrayed under him directly, including that handsome man who knows a screamer, and you you've 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 tried to embody the philosophy of Jeet Kune Do, and my understanding is that he told us. His, his private students, I can't teach you, you have to know yourself, you know, and he changed Jeet Kune Do from just being a, a technique to being a personal philosophy. What do you think with the five levels of uh, the game of death and what he was, what the scripting was for that movie that we just found recently? What do you, what do you think his ultimate on-screen betrayal of that movie was meant to be for humanity? Not just, not just, the people who knew Jukendo, but just just to understand it for the yeah. layman. Well, I can tell you, you know, and, and like, look, I'm I'm a Bruce Lee fan. I don't know if I'd even call myself an expert, but I've been just so into him for so many years. I have a good friend of mine, a guy named David Tadman. You ever look this guy up? I mean, this this guy's, you know, I've learned from him all the time. We've been friends for a long time, but he actually had a, a copy. And I mean, not the original, but he had a copy of Lee's notes for Game of Death. And he, uh, you know, we'd flip through. I didn't read through the whole thing, but he did outline this philosophical film. He really wanted to tell about martial arts and, um, you know, and, and show it in a visual medium like, as in film. And so when they shot that stuff, when they were shooting that the, the tower fights with Kareem and um, Dan and Asanto and the rest of them, they, um, you know, he was shooting that stuff, intending to do that movie, and then all of a sudden Hollywood came along and said, let's do Enter the Dragon, so he put that aside and didn't finish it, and he was going to pick it back up, apparently, you know, after, before he uh, passed away. He was going to come back to it, but if you watch the sort of, you know, the the cut to get the, the full thing cut together, not what's in the movie Game of Death, but if you ever go online and look up A Warrior's Journey or some of, there's like two different cuts of it that exist probably online somewhere, where it's about 40 minutes from start to finish, and, which you know would have never ended up in a movie. You can't have the three fights be 40 minutes, but that's how much existed of this cut-together fight scene. But there's throughout it, he's doing all this philosophy. Like, as soon as he hits a guy, he'll say, now, the reason that happened is because of this, that, or the other thing. You know, he, for instance, he, where, the, where the, Kali's, the, the Kali guy has these hard sticks, he comes in with this flexible whip. And he even talks about the flexibility of the whip and how it's, you know, better to be flexible than stick. That you know, stiff like the the rods that you're using, you know. And so this kind of you know the whole thing with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and how he overcomes him in his fight. So that film was to be his sort of opus of martial arts. Yeah. Um, and uh, but you know, I mean, you know, which is kind of interesting coming from the Big Boss, which was sort of him being thrown into the fire and just trying to find. You know, that's what's so cool about that movie because I know that's what our topic is. He's in there trying to bring a part of himself and what he 
he was learning or had learned at that time to uh, into the Hong Kong film industry. And sort of that's why I like about the big boss is you're looking at this little bit of Bruce breaking through, you know, with some of his economy of motion, like his some of the his, you know, where you've got these other guys like you were talking about earlier. They're using a lot of knives and, and hatchets and stuff that was very common at the time pulling out knives, hatchets, chains, swords, whatever. And Bruce was trying to bring it back a little more basic, like, because, you know, the one, he had that one little bit with the knives, but then he's like, tosses them aside, and then let's go back to what I do best. Um, and that's what I kind of appreciate about the movie now, is seeing that aspect to him, you know? I read somewhere that he also, like, studied Newtonian physics to make it more efficient. Well, he but- was, he studied, he did. To some degree, I'm sure study physics. I mean, he's actually studied philosophy at the University of Washington. Yeah. But he was such a reader. I mean, this guy was an epic. Look up Bruce Lee and his library online. You'll see the size of this guy's library. And that it wasn't just like he puts books up there to be impressive. You would go through them all, and there'd be notations through yeah. all the underlined things. I mean, he was you know he sucked it up. You know. Well, that I read that that's where he was. Um, he, when he was had the back injury and he had to recover. You know, he had to go through. Uh, extensive physical therapy, you know, yeah, and it always bothered him. His injury. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, because yeah. it's a nerve disruption, so he's got a disruption in the nerve root itself, so he's never going to really fully recover. And and that's what amazed me the most, right? Is that like uh, when you look at his affliction and you look at his eyes, and that's what I that's what caught me. I saw that that audition film of him in the sixties uh, when he's still really young. You know, he's a, so he's got all the ability, per se, but he, you know, he's missing something, right, in his mm-hmm. eyes. And then you look at him in these movies, and he's just, it's otherworldly. It's kind of haunting. It's kind of, a th- it's kind of, a, it takes you back. And he's, yeah. and you, you, when I found, when I found out, he, oh, like, listen, he's got, he's got lumbosacral pain the rest of his life. And he's a better fighter than before that. He's a better man before that. Have you ever read, I, I asked Michael about this earlier, and uh, obviously he knows better than we do, but there was a really great um, like back and forth with Bob Wall about Bruce Lee, and he talks about some really funny things, and one in particular is that Bruce Lee like demanded that, I don't know, somehow related to Bob Wall, somehow demanded that Bob Wall make the, the biggest fucking, like, um, what are the hanging bags that boxers use? Like the biggest fucking the punchy bags. Yeah, like one of those. Like he, he was like he's a small man. I mean, you know, Bruce Lee was yeah, must have been about one hundred thirty pounds, five yeah. foot. You know, small dude, five foot seven he, and a half. Yeah. He insisted yep. that this be like the biggest bag ever, and Bob had to. He bring... did have. He did. He. I don't. Bob, Bob didn't make it per se, but he did. He Bruce did have a bag made that was I think it was three hundred pounds like it yeah, was huge because yeah. he just wanted to be wow. able to kick it because he figured if he could kick that bag he could kick somebody that weighed one hundred and fifty pounds and send them flying you right. know yeah precisely yeah. and then I guess he just owned it like everyone was like ha 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 this little guy little rich dude's gonna get this gigantic bag and Bob Wall somehow <laughs> delivered it with and they were all, they were all friends I mean even yeah. I, I have no respect today right now today for Chuck Norris, but I grew up with him and I love him deep in my heart for all he did for cinema and karate. And yeah, but you know, yeah. what? whatever people go their own ways and he's, he's an old <laughs> man. I'm not going to shit on him. I really not. All I'm saying is that he, he and Bob and 
Bruce, they were all they they were good friends and Sure. You know, they they admired martial arts in the same way. And that was like the bond, right? So Yeah. Sure things got weird. Well, you know, just to sort of summarize this movie, again, I, I what I've learned to appreciate about it is its rawness is the fact of knowing where Bruce Lee was at his life and here he is, you know, trying to fit in for the first time into this new industry and you you know just by watching it he's only going to be around for another two years but what's going to happen in that two years from that moment and you know on is just amazing i mean it's like it's it's historical you know he i don't know if you guys know this but the reason he got well you probably have heard this he the reason he got the big boss was because his show you know the green hornet which was known as the kato show in hong kong was so successful and so it kind of gets what he got this how he got this deal but with these films, and this is and this is really true of Enter the Dragon, but it's also true with The Big Boss, is there are other actors in the film that would go on to these careers, and like for instance, um, Lam Ching Ying, who play who's who was only nineteen when he did The Big Boss. He's one of the one of the family members that Bruce is staying with and gets killed at, at, towards the end. He was uh, you know a good friend of Bruce's through all of his movies. He was like one of his sort of stuntmen that would get brought on, and he would go on to do films like he was famous for in Hong Kong, like Mr. Vampire, and and uh, there he I think he did uh, this film. I forget it was using the same actor from The Gods Must Be Crazy, and they put him in a Hong Kong movie, and he was in it. And there actually Bruce Lee appears in the movie through this sort. of of pre pre cgi sequence and fights it was crazy but that's kind of another fun thing is to watch these films and see these actors at their sort of infancy in the business Um, and wait wasn't the um like the foreman for the ice place like a famous musician well actually on on a note with him he wasn't necessarily a musician but but the 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 foreman his name's well, he was Chan Chu I think is how it's pronounced. Okay. What's interesting about him is he was not only the foreman in this film, but he was also the assistant director on the whole film. Oh. And he would go on to in in an interesting turn, is he would go on to direct the sequel to The Big Boss, which is called The Big Boss Part Two. It's one of the rare kung fu movies that exists out there because you can't find it anywhere, and we're trying to track it down, but. And we were talking about this earlier, Matthew. It's it's he directed the sequel, and Bruce Lee's first part before he was even known as Bruce Lee plays Bruce Lee's character in prison at the beginning of the film, and then his cousin shows up, who's played by Lowly from from Five Fingers of Death, and then he goes on to finish off the rest of the big bosses guys. But interestingly enough, then and Chewie, the 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 ice manager guy, also is in a movie called Bruce Lee: The Man, The Myth, playing himself. <laughs> he plays the assistant director in the ice house scene that they're shooting in the movie. So it's kind of interesting, but that'd be um, hilarious to see. Yeah. But I, anyways, I mean, I, I, like I said, the film's kind of primal. It's, it's, it's a little rusty. It's a little loose, but if you know, once you get to understand Bruce and where he was at the time and this, the, the, that we're about to, what we were about to see, it's, it's a really cool film and it's, it's, uh, you know, I dig it. The violence is satisfying. <laughs> the pace is good. <laughs> there are boobies that come up immediately. Remember the name Woman? There's also Hennessy before it was called Henny. And uh, it was a good film. If you can't watch this and not be entertained, uh, you need to take your balls out of your purse. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. So it's time for our top six. Lee, are you here? Oh, I'm here now. I'm here now. This is perfect. Sorry, I, uh, I, I, was, I normally would already be drunk before we started it, but 
It's all right. Circumstantial things. And then I I only got one drink while you guys were talking. And then, like, I intentionally, I would normally just drink whenever you were talking, Michael. I'd go get and make a drink. But I was so excited to hear what you had to say. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, but I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear what you had to say so badly that I was like, no, 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 oh, for Gordon. That's brilliant because you're right. I haven't had to get up because I have all the booze around me. But no, Michael, I, I... Michael, we love you. All right, so here we go. Right. It's time for the top six. Top six starts with Michael. Um, it this uh, these are six questions that we split okay. between two people, you uh-huh. and Lee. Uh, when Lee and I do it uh, independently, he has to do all six. But anyway. You get the first as a guest. He gets okay. the second, and on we get down the chain. All right. Top six, number one. Bruce Lee was originally against two of director Waylow's ideas used in the film. Can you guess one? I know I you could probably do two. But can you get? Can you guess one of the two scenes that Bruce Lee was super against? He just this? mentioned one, right? Let's do it. Well, you mean what, what was used in the film that he was Bruce Lee was against? You Bruce mean Bruce Lee was like, yeah, I don't want you to do this. And Waylo won in terms of like going to the guys who paid the money and saying, no, we're doing this. So got it, got it. Ah, well, interesting. Well, I, I do know. Hmm, that's a good question. Let me think. Uh, I would. I'm going to say. Hmm, could be a couple of things. Um, was it about the dogs? It was not. Okay, okay. Well, good. You got me. Oh, then. don't yeah, nerf me gonna... like No, that. that's good. All right, so first... Oh, come on. He knows the answer. First, come on. No, no, they they, they had the... a lot of fights, but I'm kind of curious which ones he's talking right, about. Right. So two things might, Bruce, might be one I don't know. Two things Bruce was really pissed about. First, when one of the foremen was to be punched through a wooden wall... Correct. Oh, I right. wanted to leave the villain's ever. outline on the wall, similar to something in a cartoon. Lee tried his best <laughs> to change it, but somehow, well, I got the upper hand. Because it was the, awesome. It was hilarious. It, the second and most stand famous out. scene is the climatic, sorry, the climatic jump kick joust between yep. Lee and the villain, uh, Han, Han Yi-Che. Lee, yep. once again, did not like the idea to do its separation from realism. Yeah. However, he gave in and the shot was done. And it felt un- it felt it felt out of place. Both of them did. They were both stupid scenes. No, the the, the outline scene was awesome, but oh, the uh, <laughs> it was fucking horrible. The, the outline scene, you're incorrect. That's actually quite no. awesome. But outline but the, scene was <laughs> fucking terrible. But the, the scenes where they're like where they're all like jumping and it's like it goes to a camera shot and it Can goes to the same camera shot. You're Bruce Lee and you're being forced to do a fucking cutout. Well, and you got to keep in mind, again, what we were talking about, he's come from America where yeah. this is like now he's entered the Asian sensibility. You know what I mean? He's like going, whoa, you know? Yeah. You know, no. Terrible. Good one. Yep. Good, All right. Good. There's, yeah, but you one know down for you, Mr. Mike. I can't. I can't. No, he. I think he kind of got that. He got Leroy, 25 on that. Leroy. I'm going right. to. Shut up. Uh, fine. All right. One of the lo- <laughs> Listen, one of the locations, one of the locations used in the film was a real business. Uh. This is multiple choice. Was it no. A? Listen, <laughs> one of the locations used in the film was a real business. Was it A, the lemonade stand, B, the gambling den, C, the brothel, or D, the ice mill? Which one's real? I'm going to go with the ice mill. <sighs> it's not the right answer to my 
top six. Okay, but I already know Michael has confirmed that it is real. So you actually get the fucking point, you asshole. The real well, answer, I, I made this question for you, is the brothel. The brothel was well, a real... I mean, I mean, I wanted to say brothel because that's where I would spend my money. I know money, you but... would. The thing is that uh, that the ice mill looked real as shit, and I was like, the moral of this movie is, mamas don't let your kids grow up to be working in an ice uh, ice okay. factory. You're right. Very good point. And it looked good anyway. But I'll, uh, I'll I don't, the, I don't, I'll I don't acknowledge, I don't acknowledge the fact that you nerfed my question compared to his. So no, zero, no, zero. no, 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 no. Oh, you only won it because Michael and I talked while you were still fucking around somewhere. Listen, for the record, I didn't know we were doing the podcast tonight. Go on. Yes, you did. Because I said I did you not. Too. I, I never got any. I, got I actually asked you when. You said, I cannot do it until this time. And I said, okay, 8 o'clock. Whatever. Listen to these words. The Thai brothel featured in the film was actually a genuine and functioning brothel. The extras who uh, feature in these scenes, excluding. Malalina's character were actual prostitutes who were paid yeah, more, who paid more yeah. by Golden Harvest than they would normally receive in a day by their clients. So the girl who whips out her titty like it's no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. We are on to Michael. Michael, this <laughs> one's actually great. True or false? The big boss. God, you got this. The big boss is based on a true story. <laughs> oh, it's got to be based on a true story, right? It no, is. it's uh, that would be false. Oh, it's true. The film is no, based, oh, story. The film is based on the true story of Cheng Chuyon, who fought the tyrants in Thailand. Cheng lived. Wow! Look end, at that. I never yeah, heard that. He my... lived. At, he lived at the end of the 1800s and beginning of the 20th century. A memorial statue of him was erected in a garden in Bangkok more than 80 years ago. Wow, that's some good tidbit right there. I never heard of that. All right. So yeah, welcome to my world, Michael. Doing good, man. Yeah, he's bull. He's pulling out some good ones. He's a bully. Unfortunately, he's... Lee's like ahead it. right now by one. Yeah, yeah Lee, you're kicking my no, ass. No, no, don't worry. All if right. I beat you, you technically have to become like legally retarded. So don't lose <laughs> this, okay, buddy? All right. It's not good All for right, the rest good, of it. Uh, I'm working on it. <laughs> All right, Leroy, uh, number four. Watch the questions like and be like, what color rhymes with bellow? <laughs> How many yeah. minutes are we into the film before Bruce Lee actually fights? I'm going to say 38 minutes. Hmm. Wow, he's getting precise. It's pretty close. Okay, the answer is 45 minutes, and I would say that it does not count. That does not count. No, it's a that's, two minute. That's close it's a enough. two minute variable. No, it's a two minute variable. We had that two minute variable that was our jurisprudence when we did. Right. The movie Ghost Dog. Two minutes was the variable. So two it's minutes, one. I like the two minute variable. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Forty five okay. minutes. The original director was Ingar Sung, or Sung. Yeah. However, he was replaced by Lo Wei a few weeks into production. The original star was also James Tian, who plays Ching Ching Ching. Yep. Ching. <laughs> While Bruce Lee was to be a co star. However, when the directors changed, the stars switched, giving Lee top billing. This well, I may, mean, that's the appropriate this, answer. This may also be part of the reason why Lee does not fight until halfway through the film. That's interesting. It's kind of like um, uh, Gone with the Wind. You know, you have multiple directors, and you get a different vision through every act. That's brilliant. Well, I do believe, yeah, I think that's it, right? Like, uh, Ingar Sung was like, yeah, James Tin is like the man. 
and then Lo Wei comes in and he's like I don't really care but Bruce Lee looks awesome eventually they become dire fucking enemies I don't know but the, 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 what the thing is is that when you look at James Tian he looks like you and me or Michael right and you look at Bruce Lee and he looks like mm. a human weapon mm-hmm. he, looks like- <laughs> he does alright number five it's for Michael the international English title of this film was The Big Boss. Do you know either of the two other titles of this film? And in fact, oh, for does, you, Michael, you need to know both the other titles. He's got it. I know. Well, there's a there's a couple other titles. I mean, uh, in I mean, in, it's always been Fist of Fury in the in the English, but there was also uh, Fist of Glory. They also called it, and that was nice. like a Europe English, uh, the Europeans English title. Um, it was also known as a big brother of Tong Shan. So there was another title that was another English title that was used in Hong Kong at one point. Um, but uh, it's always, you know, it's till, till recently, of course, where they go back to the big boss. But it was always Fist, fist of Fury and then, and then became Fists of Fury in the U.S. Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. And it's, it's a funny thing, right? Like... Uh, so there's this movie where Bruce Lee fights drug dealers in a small town in Hong Kong. And there's right. the next one where he fights racism and the Japanese occupation. Yeah, right. Yeah. They just, they just fucked up the titles, right? They did. They brought, they had shipped them both over to the U S and they were going to title this, they were going to title the big boss the Chinese connection, and they were just going to make uh, Fist of Fury fists, so it could just apply to everybody. <laughs> and then somehow they literally got the cans mixed up, and they titled the big boss Fists of Fury, and they titled the the Fist of Fury the Chinese connection, and yeah. hence you had your confusion at that point. But you're right; it was the the French connection was what seventy one around that same time, so exactly it was pretty huge, same. and they just were playing off of that. All right. So I don't know where we stand now. I know you have at least one right, which is this one. Um, Tour of I guess we're about tied, right? Oh, no, right. no. He got up. He, I think he got the, the brothel right. And then he did he get a... No, no, no. It's one to one. One to one. Okay. Okay. All right. Here you go. Tiebreaker, baby. This is no, the you should breaker. You should be ashamed that you yeah, you have a tiebreaker on me on six questions. I know. I am. You're, you're oh, a beautiful you know man. You know what? Who the knows tie what he's doing. The tiebreaker. I have to make up my own question. This sucks. Yeah. What the fuck? Because the tiebreaker... Well, the number six. I'll throw it out there to you both. The final battle was censored in the U.S. in order for the film to get an R rating. What do you think they cut out? Well, he already answered that. He he answered it. Exactly. So So, I can't can't answer that. It's not fair. So I'm going to ask you, um, Leroy, a question that you should know the answer to. Oh, God. Can I do this? You can do it. (laughs) You know what you should do is you can concede that Michael has given us more trivia in every time he's spoken. No, I can never answer. This is a top six, bitch. All right, I'm going to ask it's you its something. Own world. You know what the thing okay, is? Okay, okay, okay. Wait, wait, wait. wait. No, here's the top six. Here is six. the question. Oh, come on. Actually, I got a question for you. Unless you can, if you got something you want to throw at him. No, 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 no. Let, let the I'm guest throw, throw one. Evil oh, yeah. Question. No, no, no. At him, but if you want to throw a question to Leroy. Let's do it. Or I'll throw it to either one of you. There's one actor in this film that actually played in all of Lee's films. Do you know which one it was? 
Oh. Ogle, third uncle for the handsome. So yeah. I'm gonna go. The 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 main like kind of fat brother guy. Not quite. Not quite. No. I, thought, I was gonna say third uncle. That's my answer because he's handsome. He's got the haircut. Wait, which one's third? Right? What do you mean third uncle? You mean the. Uh... The old man. He's got the haircut. Oh. He's got the oh, slacks no. that are oppressed in the it's, front. It's Tony Liu who played the uh, the son of the boss. Oh, he did all. He's the he's the only male now. Nora Mao, who played the girl, you know, Ooh, who yeah, yeah. played I the, the, the lemonade, She did three of them. Girl has been in three. Films. She did three. She did three of them. But Tony was in four of them. He was in Enter the Dragon. He was in Way of the Dragon. He was in Fist of Fury and the Big Boss. Who and he, she never showed he her titties the like the girl from the brothel. That's awesome. Hilarious. <laughs> is he just a and random? She still works today. What's that? Is he just a random guy in Enter the Dragon? Well, in Enter the Dragon, he's the guy that fights with John Saxon and that's why he's betting, remember? And then John Saxon punches him in the nuts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. See? Okay, well, See? guess what? Hey, Michael. You just won. Yeah, I just won my own question. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll chalk it up. As a, I'll tell you what. It's a draw. We'll, we'll go at it no, again no, one no, day. No, no, no. Listen, there's no such thing as a draw. If you can't just defeat us, what you did, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, the only draw is when we did Deadpool. Yeah. And we don't that was play, awesome. We don't I play, felt like that was good. We don't good. play that game. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, awesome. <laughs> All right. Leroy, do you have anything else you want to say? No, I want to thank our guest and ask him how we can support his films. Oh, you guys are very kind. Well, it's just a pleasure to be on here. I, you know, I was glad I discovered you guys and and that you honored me with uh, inviting me on, and that was that was awesome. I, you know, you can keep up with my my film career if you want, which will be usually on my personal Twitter page, which is Michael Worth, or you know, on Facebook or or what have you. Uh, Instagram and all that fun stuff that we do. And then um, if you want to keep up with uh, this documentary, you can look up the Bruceploitation Bible on either Twitter or on Instagram. And there will be uh, lots of coverage, especially when we're going to Hong Kong, where we're going to be just putting a lot of stuff out there. Because one of the things outside the documentary that we're doing is we're going to the Hong Kong Film Archive and the Taiwan Film Archive because we're trying to get what's left of these Bruce Bloitation, Bruce Lee exploitation films and maybe some other ones we might delve into um, that are just being just you know they're 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 just being destroyed to the ravages of time because nobody's caring about them and so we're going to try and pull them out and do some 2k scans and release them on blu-ray so be looking for a hopefully a series of uh these films that would otherwise probably vanish into uh into nothing or into a bad youtube video that's awesome is there uh, a quick question how do we uh is there like any way we can donate to that at this point well, we're, it's it's at this point it's we're we're self financed, you know. The, like I said, okay. I'm doing it with separate films. They're producing it, so I think that they're they're okay. I'm just coming on as like I said, as a producer yeah. and, a, and a his kind of a quote unquote historian. Like I said, my okay. real day job is a filmmaker, and I you know I've like I said, I've got to movies that are are coming out and they're out now. You can look them up. Like I don't know if you like if you like '90s martial arts films, look up U.S. Seals Two, which I did with Damien Chapa and a group of people and we uh shot in bulgaria and i worked with a bunch of jackie chan stunt team on that it's a it's a pretty crazy over the top movie um but uh yeah so you know anybody pop on and just say hi i'm i'm floating around on you know on those uh, social media sometimes love you michael Pleasure. all right you guys the best thanks so much